It's another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. But are you subscribed? If not, make sure to like, share and subscribe. Spread the word about the Christian Reef podcast and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. Today's guest is a podcaster all the way from Regina in Saskatchewan in Canada. His name is Corey Johnston. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show. I'll just say before we get started, um, I don't know if viewers would have heard this, but this was a Zoom recording, right? This is a Zoom recording. And that is the first time, I don't know if you heard that as well. There was like a little voice that just went, the recording is now recording or something. And I'm like, yeah, what? Yeah. The hell? <laughs> that's new. They've added that. That's, that's, okay. I mean, that's useful, I guess. But um, yeah, that creeped me out for a second. <laughs> Maybe you guys at home heard that. If so, um, I guess that's a fixture now um, at the beginning of podcasts. Um, But we'll leave it in. It's fun. Whatever. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Then you know the recording has started. I know. I know it's officially going. Well, you know, it's funny. uh, Just talk about that real quick. I I always have these these technical issues. Uh, Not always, but every once in a while it'll happen. And it happened uh, last time I did a podcast. Um, I was having issues with my camera, blah, blah, blah. But one of the things that I noticed is that I sort of obviously kept unplugging um, and plugging in my external camera, right? And that apparently stopped my recording. Uh, So the audio recording that I do. So for those who don't know, I do a Zoom recording, which is what you guys if you're watching or listening to the, the podcast on YouTube, see. But for everyone else that listens to the podcast, they won't know that. And basically, uh, the audio version gets recorded for a separate program called Mixpad, and I mix it all there. So to be fair, the, the, the quality there is much better than it is on Zoom, um, but only by a little bit. It's still the same uh, stuff. It's just I control the levels a little bit better on, on the audio version, right? But, you know, podcast, yep. prioritize the, the audio. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Sounds a lot like what I do. <laughs> Right. And then last time um, that happened, or I was having the, the issues with the camera, I pulled out the, the USB. And then <laughs> after the recording, so it was afterwards, you finish. And I, I just looked at the audio and it had only gotten like 20 minutes from, I don't know, an hour and a half podcast. I always oh, had that, that panic bit, but it's, it's lucky because I've obviously recorded on two separate channels. But if you're only recording on one, I mean, this is just a, if I haven't said this on the podcast before, I'll say it again. For anyone who's a podcaster, aspiring podcaster, always have a backup. At least one backup. (laughs) Just one. Yeah. Even if it's just sitting in the background, just make sure your computer can handle it. Two programs. That's all you need. And like you said, you offered before we even started to to potentially record the audio. I used to accept that now because I've got two different options it's like I, I don't think it's necessary but sometimes I don't know if if the if the audio is particularly choppy or there's issues I don't know sometimes I do accept it and just as a kind of a third backup but um yeah I don't know anyway yeah <laughs> let's talk yeah, about it's... you <laughs> sure <laughs> so speaking of podcasting you are the host and this is at the time of writing so I'll just say this now I always do my research on my guests way ahead of time. And I believe we might have scheduled this, oh, I want to say about two months ago. So things might have yeah, changed. Roughly. Yeah, <laughs> things might have changed in that time. But the last sort of moment that I did my research on you, I found that you were doing four different podcasts. Yes. Um, so let's just go through these. You've got the <laughs> From Many People's Strength podcast. Yeah. The Skeptic podcast. 
Yeah. The Mind of a Skeptical Leftist podcast. And finally, yep. the Feminist Family podcast. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So, <laughs> well, my first question is how? <laughs> how? How are well, you doing this? Uh, the third, the last one, the feminist family, uh, we haven't recorded in a long time. So I, I guess you could say that one has kind of fallen off, okay. but I still do the other three podcasts and it's a lot of work. Like you got to just dedicate like a bunch of time to it. So I, I guess I'm lucky that I have a job that I work a lot of hours for seven days and then I have a, a week off. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So then on my week off, I still do like a uh, gig work. Uh, like I do DoorDash or Uber and stuff like that. But uh, I don't, because I make enough money on my week that I work, I can dedicate a lot of time to podcast work. What do you do for a living? If you don't mind me asking. Well, I, I, <laughs> I work in the oil field in Saskatchewan. It's ah. uh, at, at a wastewater disposal plant. It's not my favorite thing. Uh, but the pay is good and, uh, yeah, so that's what, about it. <laughs> is it like a, not an oil rig? Have I misunderstood? What exactly is your position? What do you do? Like, oh, well, I personally work at what's called a wastewater disposal facility. Wastewater disposal facility. Okay. Okay. I think I'm getting there. Yeah. Getting there. So, so I got oil from, <laughs> well, cause the oil field, when oil is produced, uh, there's like various ways of drilling and uh, fracturing the ground underneath. And what they do is they use water, fresh water, uh, salt water uh, for some of these processes. And then that water is contaminated. So they can't use it for anything else after that. Okay. Okay. So what they have to do is they have to bring it to us to dispose of it. And right. lately uh, we have uh, a centrifuge. So we actually bring in like uh, drilling mud. Uh, the mud that comes up when they actually drill the hole and we put it through our centrifuge and we try to extract water from it and separate solids from it so that we can take the solids to the landfill and pump the water down to in our disposal well okay cool 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 and and what exactly is is your specific position there like how do you influence the work what do you manage I do it all. I'm a process operator. Like, I, okay. I, I, I work by myself uh, for 12 hours, uh, making decisions on tank levels, where I need to do this and that, uh, you know, various process to try and get as much water out of the, the waste as I can so that I can dispose of it properly and figure out what else needs to be done. So what would you say are kind of like the best and worst things about that position? Uh, working alone. <laughs> That's <enough>. both. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's great because I'm in control of everything that's going on. Right. If I know exactly what's happening. Nobody can turn anything on without me knowing it. Uh, you know. But also, it's a lot of work because you're on your own, and <laughs> so you're doing like the job of two or three people by yourself. Is, but is that by design or is that one of those situations because i've been in, i've worked in jobs before where it's like <laughs> this job is supposed to be done by five people but here we are two people doing it <laughs> every week is it like that or is it a bit more like you know just i don't know you, you need a certain level of expertise to do it and it's difficult to find someone or like talk us no, through that. uh it's it's just because uh it costs money to hire people <laughs> 
<laughs> I always annoys like, me when companies. <laughs> yeah, like I I started this job eight years ago, almost nine years ago, uh, with zero knowledge in the oil field. So anybody can come and do it. <laughs> but it bugs me. Like I remember years ago, I used to work in a supermarket, right? And that's where I got the whole two and five thing from. That's where that comes from. So like we were supposed to have, say, a team of five people uh, working at any one time. Obviously, there were times when it was a bit quieter, inevitably. Right. But on a standard day, that's what you were supposed to have. Now, I noticed a pattern. I only worked there for about three years, but I noticed a pattern. And what would happen is obviously at times like Christmas and Easter, you employ more staff, temporary staff. I get that. Right. But on a standard week, let's say middle of winter or middle of summer you would you get busy days still and inevitably people don't turn up for work whatever mm-hmm. but there were times when people would leave like full-time member of staff would leave and they just wouldn't replace that person yeah yeah for six to eight months and then what i noticed is they would basically keep letting people go until it got so desperate <laughs> that you had to employ people now, yeah, because things are just not getting done right <laughs> right and i understand kind of trying to save that cut costs but how much if, if you're a big business especially like a supermarket right how much are you really losing on staff considering the fact that you pay the minimum wage versus how much you're charging how much you make per year per week do you know what i mean or, like it, 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 yeah. it sounds like cheapskate <laughs> I mean, and you- it's it's the nature of uh, the businesses, right? Like they yeah. have to they have to maximize their profits. So every time they get a chance to reduce costs, which includes not replacing employees, then they absolutely have to just hold off as long as they absolutely can. Craziness, <laughs> craziness. All right. Well, let's bring it back to your podcast. Um, sure. Now, like I said, okay, fair enough. You're not doing you're not doing the final one, the feminist one, but you've got a lot of different podcasts here. Um, in my show notes, I kind of had it down as that you were quite a sort of politically minded person. So, yes. with every one of these podcasts, what kind of topics do you tend to discuss, and what's kind of the purpose of each one? Like, talk us through them and, and what you're trying to achieve. Well, okay, so my my show that I consider my show is the mind of a skeptical leftist. Mm-hmm. And that's, I came out of, oh, excuse me. I came out of like uh, the skeptical movement online, which was, uh, sorry, uh, which was basically a bunch of people who kind of wanted to promote uh, critical thinking and uh, skepticism towards scientific claims. and various things. I, uh, I don't know. There's, it is a kind of a movement still, but during the early uh, 2016, when Donald Trump was in office, uh, a lot of the American side kind of took to uh, being anti-social justice types. So, <laughs> so then you had like a kind of a division within the community, but uh, the skeptical ideology is that everything should be based on evidence or you shouldn't believe it. Uh, and sometimes the evidence can be sketchy or we can find flaws with it, but the best evidence available is where we base our beliefs. 
And so then in the social justice side of things, there were people on uh, one side who were, hey, uh, we don't believe the evidence. So, you know, racism isn't a systemic thing and we don't believe in patriarchy and all that. And then on the other side, there's the, the people who be became termed like the the regressive left or whatever you want to call us. Like, <laughs> so then, um, you know, I uh, being a leftist because I, I identify as an anarcho communist, um, being on the left politically and being of a skeptical nature who wants to believe in things on the best evidence. Um, that is where the title comes from. It's the mind of a skeptical leftist because this is kind of, a random show where I cover random things, but they always have to do with scientific skepticism and political left-wing stuff and social justice. So do you that find was a long roundabout way to get to it. I get, I, get, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. So do you find yourself kind of getting involved? Okay, when you put stuff out, do you find a lot of like backlash or do you sort of find yourself being drawn into a lot of controversy? Like talk us a little to us a little bit about that. Well, you would think actually, because the topics I cover the way that I cover them uh, often are very like one-sided. Like I, I, mm -hmm. I see things from a certain perspective and I'm not being fair to right wingers. I'm, okay. I don't even pretend that I'm trying. Right. <laughs> so so you would almost expect more pushback, but it's really rare that I get any kind of pushback. Um, maybe just cause I'm still a relatively small uh, podcast and channel, but mm. also maybe it's just because I'm a white dude who works in the oil field. I, I'm not some teenage kid with purple hair that they can pick on, you know, and say, Oh, well, you're just too young to have good ideas. No, I'm I'm a 44 year old man who's an who's been doing this for a long time. <laughs> so, I've always been very neutral when it comes to politics. Uh, I sit okay. in the middle because I kind of see positives and negatives on both sides, right? So I always have a very well, interesting that, that's view. True. I always yeah. have a sort of uh, like I don't really like to get involved in politics because I just I'm not really interested in debating and, and to be honest no party really represents me mm. that's why I've never voted for instance um, but what I will say is that I do tend to if I ever do talk about politics I like to talk to open-minded people and I found open-minded people on both sides um, I do find there's a lot of people that are quite close-minded and just in my opinion, just like to argue rather than <laughs> if you like, if you look at what a debate is, when you break it down, it's two people, if, if they're having a proper debate, two people who have opposing views, either trying to convince each other or maybe try to change each other's views um, or maybe come to some sort of compromise. I suppose it depends on the goals. Yeah. It depends on this, on this, the platform of the debate too. Right. Like, right. Um, if you're yeah, trying the to nature. the audience, right? Mm, like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you have an audience, you don't want to, you're not worried about your opponent so much as did I make a point that the audience can agree with or disagree with. Right. But when you say like, obviously you're trying to challenge right, right wing people and you're trying to kind of 
yeah, argue your point strongly and you have your strong beliefs. But do you ever kind of do you sit down and, and take their views into account? Do you kind of sit there and, and acknowledge it and are you open minded to it or are you kind of like just really, really, really against it? You're like you're not even willing well, to listen. Like where do you sit? It, de- it depends what you mean by open minded too, right? Like uh I mean I was in my early third well, late twenties, early thirties, I was mm. a conservative. Now, that's right? interesting. So, okay. So uh the reason that I reject conservatism now mm-hmm. uh, is because I, because of the staunch anti-climate change views that I encountered at the time. Mm-hmm. And that, w- that got me down the road of realizing that so many of these things that conservatives believed weren't based on evidence. They were based on some other thing. <laughs> so- no, no, it's interesting. No, no, no. You raise a really good point. Like I think, the interesting aspect to, to this is, is the firstly, the refreshing honesty. Like you say, yeah, I, I used to be this, then I flipped to the other side, right? And a lot of the people that are very high prolific, like uh, I've, you know, I've, I've said this um, in, uh, in the past, but people like, say, Donald Trump have flipped and flopped uh, between both right. parties. Not many people know this, but yeah, that's happened before. And yeah, sure. obviously, it's always tied to some sort of business interest and stuff like that. For yourself, climate change was was the deciding factor. And, and obviously, over time, things change. And I, I think that's a very important point to make as well. You know, there's a lot of people I've seen over the years whose political leanings change in accordance with their own personal lives. Because it's one thing to consider voting based on, you know, how you want society to be at large, I understand. But then there's also the element of how it affects you on a local level. So like, for example, in in the UK, we have um, Labour and Conservative, right? Labour is more or less um, left-wing and Conservatives is is pretty much right-wing, right? And then you have parties that are in the middle and blah, blah, blah. So it's pretty much similar to, to, to what you guys have. Yeah. But we also have that local level and and nationwide level. So, for example, the the borough that I grew up in, the the place that I grew up in, was conservative. It was it was uh, right wing, right? But they did a really good job locally, right? They you know <laughs> they did an excellent job uh, politically back then. I guess I was more left, so I was kind of like you know just disagreed with them. But then I, I would look at the fact that they did such a good sort of. Uh, job in my local area and I was like oh this is interesting how you can sort of support them in in one area but not in the other because obviously nationwide I, I sort of disagreed with how they were running things and stuff and right right it eventually led me to the point where now I'm I sit in the middle because I've seen <laughs> I've seen what Labour did I've seen what Conservatives have done and now I'm like none of you people represent me <laughs> yeah yeah but it's interesting how the, that that divide as far as you know um how your voting changes according to your personal life, how, how, how the politics affect you and your personal life and where you are and the state you're in and the city town you live in versus a nationwide level. I feel like, um, and I'm going out on a limb here, but I, I reckon that a lot of people when they're voting, they're more thinking about how it'll affect them on a day to day basis versus, you know, voting to just remove someone out of us i mean if you obviously if you take trump most recently i think there yeah, I think a lot there's more some... yeah a lot more people were inclined <laughs> to go and vote because they just felt okay this person is not doing a good job running our country and it's interesting even for for the conservative oh sorry not conservatives republicans um there were many people in that party that distanced themselves 
from Trump. And we've right. had we've had similar things happen here in the UK where there's like a uh, problem, <laughs> lack of confidence in the leader and stuff. And, and it makes sense. You know what I mean? Because yeah. at, at, at your heart, um, even if you are in a political party and, and you're sort of saying, I support this, I support these people. You're not necessarily going to agree with everything that gets put out. You know what I mean? No, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, for us, the, I guess you could say the farthest left party that in, in Canada is the NDP. Uh, we have a, a green party, but some of their policies aren't as far left. They're more uh, centrist or conservative mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. environmental leanings. Right. Uh, but the NDP like some of their positions are really like they're very close to the liberal party, which is our, I guess you could say our centrist party. Uh, and so those leanings, I'm, I'm often disagreeing with the party that I would tend to vote for more right. often. Right. And I mean, in Canada right now, like we're, our culture follows the culture of the United States so closely Mm. that often when I'm voting, I'm just voting out of the idea of harm reduction. Like, cause I just want to make sure that I'm, you know, doing the best I can for the people that will be harmed. Yeah. Uh, forgive me. So I actually <laughs> forgot for a second that you, you're from Canada and this was something that oh. I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. I don't know. Cause when I talk about politics, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is us UK, but I wanted to ask you about this. Yeah. You're from Canada. You live in Canada and like you say, you're, you're far left. Um, how would you say, I mean, how much do you know about UK and US politics? Just, just off the bat, like how, what's your knowledge? Well, I followed the United States politics very right. closely. So, <laughs> but uh, UK, I guess you could say I know a little bit. A like, lie, yeah. um, okay. Well, before I ask you about like the differences and the and similarities and stuff, um, what's your reasoning for following US politics? Cause I've had other, uh, Canadian podcasters uh, or Canadian um, guests on the show, and they've sort of said similar things like, "Yeah, I follow U.S. politics and stuff," but but why? You know what I mean? Like, I understand. I, I could theorize. I could be like, "Okay, well, you know, U.S. and, and Canada does a lot of trading together. It's it's neighbors. You know, there's going to be reasons." But why do you choose to follow U.S. politics? I follow it uh, because our culture mirrors theirs so closely, mm-hmm. uh, and and when I see like a Donald Trump movement or okay. a MAGA movement, I, I get concerned because I know that something similar is going to try happening here very shortly. Interesting. Um, so like, uh, I can't even remember the guy's name right now. The, the current leader of our conservative party, he actually like came up with like this, uh, this slogan about bringing Canada back to Canadians or something like that. <laughs> like, it's like, it's very MAGA but canadianized right, right? <laughs> that's interesting so. do you know no on, on a side note like i think it makes sense because obviously um you know even here in the uk we you know we're heavily influenced by american culture and other cultures around the world too but like you know it, it, with certain things we're heavily influenced like for example suing culture you know, that's always been a very American thing, but even here, you know, it's become more prevalent. Right. You see a bit more of it in, in probably the last 20, 30 years than you did. Especially if somebody decade. says something bad about you. Hey, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for us, it's, I think it's more, we're more concerned with, um, 
slander and libel and stuff like that we're more yeah. involved with that and and for example uk press here because we've got free press they'll print anything they want and i've said this on the show before but they'll print anything they want which i think is a good thing they should have the freedom freedom of speech to, to print what they want even if it is bad you know i don't believe in censorship personally i've always been against it. i think you should whatever you say you should be able to say it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I think it's it's up to the the public to choose whether or not they support you and, and what the consensus. I, I always think as a society, we should always come to a consensus of like what we agree with, what yep. we disagree with. Do you know what I mean? Come together on, on Absolutely. Those, those big issues. I think there's there might be some nuances to that kind of discussion because the power behind media right now is yes. so one-sided right like yeah. it's it's very the rich and the powerful control what we see and hear <laughs> this, this is why i mean this is one of the reasons as well why i don't sort of fit uh left or right politically and and why because yeah yeah in the uk it's very well known that many of of the major news outlets are heavily biased i mean you can tell by the way they're right who they support and and sometimes they'll <laughs> yeah. even come out and say like it's hilarious i remember years ago uh the sun which is a tabloid newspaper here in the uk uh obviously it's very famously run by um what's his name the, the famous australian media mogul um god his name escapes me but he's basically got business interests around the world uh, in america he owns like uh many many companies and news outlets and stuff like murdoch murdoch rupert murdoch that's the one yeah so he's got business interests around the world got heavy kind of um like he for instance if someone's in power in in like say the uk right he'll have heavy influence and he can affect right. uh, your political standings he can affect you know how well your campaign goes right which is ridiculous he shouldn't be like that but it is like that that's how the world <laughs> yeah. works right <laughs> yeah yeah and exactly it's, it's interesting to me because i remember the sun for many years was uh labor they supported labor and they were very like kind of obvious because a lot of the papers that are neutral you know you can tell maybe they got a bit of a left or right leaning and you can but they don't come out and say right done was like we support labor we support <laughs> and i remember some somewhere in the maybe the 2010s they had a bit of a falling out i guess for the labor party okay. I don't know. and so they printed that though we support conservative now like we 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 are a conservative paper and it's like it's just, I don't know, that kind of fascinated me, like just how that happens and, and That's stuff. like uh, post-media here. There used to be like uh, local post-media outlets across Canada, but then they got bought out. Well, they weren't post-media. They were independent, but they like referred to themselves as the leader post or this uh, post or national post or whatever. But then they all got bought out and they all got the same direction that they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be more conservative leaning. And that's just the direction that the leaders of the company want them to go. So that's what the kind of stories they're going to promote now. <laughs> so given that you have, and that's a good... all over crying. <laughs> cool. Thank, no, thanks for sharing about that. Um, but I wanted to ask you about um, considering you have a good knowledge of these things like what, what would you say are the major differences and, and maybe similarities between us and canadian politics <laughs> our our politics aren't quite uh, ah i don't want to give us too much credit right <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> like like I, I like to say that our politics aren't quite as uh corrupt as the american system that's bold but yeah <laughs> say that but, <laughs> bold but also, okay. I don't, I don't know that that's true. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it, it sometimes very much feels like uh, the 
mix of business interests and politics is, you know, it's too interlinked. And I mean, your average citizen doesn't get as much say as they think they do because so, <laughs> they don't have own companies. They don't own things the way that uh, like Amazon owns things. The current administration <laughs> with uh, Justin Trudeau, that's, he's been in office for quite some time now. How many years has he been in power? Um, I think he's first one in, what was it, like 2015, 2014? Oh, it's shorter than I thought. Okay, all right, 2015. Okay, so he'd be in his like second term, I suppose, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and okay. we're, I'm depending on who you ask, we're looking at a, a, a short election cycle this time around because uh i mean justin trudeau only got a minority government last time Interesting. so okay. so they it's quite likely that there's going to be a non-confidence vote when it comes around time to the uh budget and and or i mean people are saying it's coming this fall but who knows but. how many terms can a one particular president have is it the standard two terms or is it I think a prime minister can run as long as they want uh, because we don't vote for a prime minister, right? Like we vote the, for the party. the party. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. no, but it isn't it's a parliamentary system. Like, cause like I think in America like you, you can only have two terms as a president, can't you? So like your yes, party that's... can keep getting voted, but I suppose let's say if uh, uh, who's, who's currently in power, uh, Joe Biden. So if Joe Biden won like twice and then they wanted to get into power again for the third time, he wouldn't be able to run. Yeah. Yeah, they have to have somebody else run. Mm. It's it's an interesting, like they've got a weird setup because they've got their Senate is like, I don't know if things are like this in the UK, but their Senate is voted on where yeah. we have an appointed Senate. Yeah, here's, which, here's, which what I don't, power. yeah here's what I don't <laughs> understand about that. If I've understood this correctly, and like, I'm not big on politics, so you know, forgive me for not understanding this, but as I understand, you can have a government... Let's say the, cons- the US government is conservative, right? But then you can have, no, not conservative, sorry, uh, Republican. So you've got a right. Republican um, government, but then you can have a um, Democrat Senate, right? Yeah. Democrat, right. So as I understand, every issue that they vote on, so let's say the, the, they put a, an order through or something like, we want to vote on this. And then it goes through the Senate, right? And then they debate it and then they make sure it turns into law or a bill or something, right? That's how it works? Sort of. Uh, because they've got the House and they've got the Senate, right? So, so the House, is, got... house is, is the the president's house. That's just... No, no. They've got... And then they've got the presidency as well. Like they've got... Uh... Okay. <laughs> so they've got two... Kind of two... Uh, congress or parliaments or whatever right Right. Uh so they've got uh congress people uh who are in the house which is uh often because of the way the districts are drawn up it often leans democrat and then you've got the senate which is uh two senators per state i think it is regardless of the population Congress is defined by population. Senate is based on two per state, regardless. (laughs) And then I think (laughs) feel free to correct me. (laughs) Oh, I know nothing. So I'm learning here. (laughs) So then that tends to lean Republican. 
And then uh, whoever the president is, uh, is voted on on a separate issue, right? Like it's a whole other thing. Mm. And so you can have a bill that's created in the, in the house and get voted on and approved by the Democrats who have the majority. Yep. And then it can get vetoed or like it can get to the Senate where it has to pass through another set of votes Yeah, where it'll get rejected. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I'm fascinated by. So like the only way they can assuredly put stuff through is with an executive order, right? That's why Trump was doing it the whole time. Yes. The presidency. Yeah. So he didn't have to put it through the Senate. Yeah. It, well, he didn't have to put it through Congress or through the House because the, they had a Republican Senate while he was in power. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's a mess, really. <laughs> it's a big, I mean, we've kind of got something similar, I guess. I mean, in the sense that, okay, in, in the UK, um, as I understand, you vote in the Houses of the Parliament. That's where the first vote happens. So the government brings a bill and then both parties, all parties vote on it. And then it gets passed, either it goes through the House of Lords, either before or after, but it goes through the House of Lords and they do the same thing. And then I believe the Queen has to then kind of affirm the bills. Okay. Final thing. I don't know that this happens for everything though. I know for major things it does. Right. Uh, she'll give like a seal of approval or whatever and agree to it but it's like done in mass there'll be like a bunch of things that get like signed right. up or whatever but technically she could veto it as well if she wanted to and be like it's nope. like a rubber stamp basically i kind of but because because i understand because and this exists historically in the uk i think this exists up until uh possibly charles the first reign where the power was given to the parliament but power was never really taken away from the monarchy, right. it's just the monarchy basically essentially handed over power and said, yeah, we agree to this, but we still have a, an interest and, and we will still right. come down on you hard if we disagree with something. But it was essentially like giving over that power as a means of like, hey, you take care of this so I can free up my time to do other stuff. And these days it's not really acted upon, but technically it is possible right. that they, they could just start running with an iron fist if they wanted to the monarchy <laughs> I, think, I think that's how it works anyway okay yeah yeah like oh, yeah. we've got we've got our our parliament which is our members of parliament that we all vote on to send to uh, ottawa and then uh there's a there is a senate but it's an appointed senate and as far as i know they don't do anything except just approve whatever the parliament approves so then you're stuck with like this kind of like just one group of people that decided everything <laughs> and no, there's no veto power at the prime minister's level. There's no like executive orders or anything like that. So I guess that's good. <laughs> there's not one person that's just ruling with an iron fist, <laughs> but yeah. So. so, so far since you've been doing all this, uh, podcasting and, and getting involved with politics have you had any sort of major clashes with right wingers and if so how did it play out like how did you manage that situation like you know i mean how how major is the clash on online for somebody like myself right <laughs> you never know i suppose it depends how you compose oneself because some people would choose to just go on a tirade attack some people it's like i said before it depends on the, the debating it depends where you sit 
like if I was to pick a side, for instance, me personally, if I was to decide to go political and choose a side, I would approach it from the perspective of I want to debate people mm. who disagree with me and and learn something, you know, gain something from it, uh, debate them, enjoy it, enjoy the process of debating because it can be an enjoyable experience. But I think it depends right. um, if the other person is willing to to you know recuperate and and actually debate you versus attacking you. I see a lot of attacking. Like to give you an example. Um, People automatically assume my leaning. I think they think I'm left because I've often spoken about like Trump on the podcast and I've had people on okay. that have, have kind of um, you know, said their piece about him that I didn't ask about. They just freely gave their opinion. And, you know, I don't, to be honest, I don't really attribute Trump to Republicans. I see him as a businessman and he just does what works for his business. Like I truly believe this latest presidency, the main goal was get myself as much money as possible, make myself as many business deals and, and set myself up. That's what I believe. Because look, he's a business guy. You know, he's always <laughs> been a business guy. Look at his political yeah. leanings over the last 30, 40 years. They've changed according to his business interests. Yeah. Right? Whoever was in power, he was uh, uh, cozying up to basically until, and, uh, until Barack Obama. And every, <laughs> every prime, every uh, president, has some political, uh, sorry, uh, business interests. Like that's not a new thing. Bush did the right. same thing. Um, yeah. You know, if we want to take from the left, uh, Barack Obama has used. I think he's gone into more like NGO stuff. But you know, he still yeah. set up business stuff for himself. Yep. Every every administration does it. Well, I mean, you could you could even say like you don't have to go to Barack Obama. You could say the Clintons, right? Like okay. I know they're yeah. a, they're a boogeyman, but they they have major business ties mm-hmm. to a lot of things. Uh, so. Yeah, and it's interesting, and I, I think that um, sometimes it's difficult to to see past that. Um, but for other people, I think they 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 really do believe that like every person that comes in or administration that comes in truly represents them. And look, I, I would like to believe that, but it's again, it's one of the reasons why I don't get involved myself because I feel that like they might represent you on certain issues, but then there's always like a place where they let you down in some respect you know like like when it comes to if i take uh, i've said this on the podcast before but you take conservatives here in in britain um they run it like a business they run the country like a business and they help the people that help them so people that in a way you can't blame them for that like that's what any political party would do If, if i if i say to you here's a bunch of money i support you and then you get into power you're going to do your very best to make sure I get a return on my investment. You know what I mean? That's and just you, psychology. That's like, if exactly. You, if somebody gives you money, you feel like you have to pay them back. Exactly. That's just, and that's why I believe why, when people get angry about like, Oh, the, the, you know, conservatives only represent the rich or whatever. It's like, well, <laughs> labor would do the same thing. <laughs> do do the same thing. You know, it's got nothing right. to do with, 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 um, class or anything like that it's it's just helping the people that help you but there is a bit of a class system here in the uk um always has been or always will be um and i said there is a little bit of that in america but not in the same way it's kind of different uh, but what, what about canada do you have like a class system there like what's what's the deal there oh i mean under capitalism every system is a is a class system right like the the struggle is class struggle <laughs> but yeah is we it- have an increasing like we have people who are left behind and while others get richer every day uh and that uh, that is why i'm on the political left i get 
technically my philosophy is even farther to the left than any of the, the, the parties that we have. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, and when you say you don't feel represented by the parties in your country, like I feel the same way because the thing about political parties is they always want to appeal to the status quo on some yes. level mm-hmm. and the status quo leaves you know the majority feeling relatively comfortable relatively okay uh placated you know because they can have their house and they can have their car and you know as long as they work they don't have they don't have to suffer too much the fact that they're one paycheck away from bankruptcy doesn't mean much if they keep getting those paychecks right <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it's yeah i mean class is a major issue but Let's bring it back to uh, to your podcasts. Um, sure. I just want to know, kind of like, what are you hoping to achieve with these? As far as like your goals, like where where do you want to get with this? Um, do you have plans beyond podcasting? Like, what are you trying to achieve in this field? Well, I mean, my I, I used to run a podcast that uh, when I was was part of the skeptic and atheist community, I ran a podcast for six years and. I developed a love for the art of mm-hmm. podcasting and for the, the craft of audio engineering, you know, audio editing and just, and talking to people, just the interview process. I love that. Uh, and so if I could do that as a job, that would be ideal. <laughs> I'm the you same. Know, that would, that's the goal, like ultimately, but also I got to be true to my philosophy, right? Okay. So, so I also want to help people learn more about left-wing politics. I want to help people understand that anarchists aren't just breaking windows. You know, we're not just the people who go out and break windows and riot. We're also people who, uh, you know, promote things like food, not bomb to stop being murdered by the state. And we want everybody to get their basic needs met. Um, And I want to promote social justice. Like I want to promote anti-racism and uh, feminism and, and uh, anything that I think will help society improve uh, is something that I want to uh, promote. Excellent. Excellent. That's, I mean, you know, that's where I'm at with that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Well, since you've done podcasting for such a long time, uh, I want to ask you this. uh, What tips would you give to aspiring podcasters like what what could you sort of give as advice considering you've you've done it for so long and you've been sort of been been successful with it what 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 tips would you give uh (laughs) we kind of gave it at the start uh have a backup (laughs) if you're recording you got to make sure you got a backup Uh, (laughs) because you could easily lose audio i've lost some pretty quality audio content at times in the past. So (laughs) it's it's very frustrating, but also uh, also I find if it, if you can do it without doing too much work, adding video makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. A lot of people really like uh, watching things on YouTube uh, as well as listening, but you have to have the audio as well because a lot of people can't watch YouTube like when I'm working, I can listen to audio, but I can't watch a video. So there's a lot of that going on too. So you got to have both, I think. I totally agree. Yeah, it's different as well. 
Uh, I see sometimes people brand it as video cast, vodcast, which is interesting. So <laughs> this is a new concept I've come across, but it's true. I, I and the, the from what I can see, on average, more people listen to my podcast, you know, via the audio platforms I have rather than the video one. And I expect that. I expected that from the beginning because who's going to sit and watch? you know youtube video for for maybe two hours you know what i mean um right. and a lot a lot of people that listen to my podcast podcast regulars they always tell me that they have it on in the background and i'm like yeah that's yes that's how i would do it that's you know perfect I, mean? I think yeah. it's, it's normal <laughs> um but yeah I, it's a different medium i think um for most podcasters out there you know making clips is is you know is something you need to do uh, not just to attract attention to what you're doing, but also to encourage people to actually check out your podcast. Um, yeah. as, as much as it sucks for me having to edit for ages to do it, it's so essential. If I didn't do it, and I'm, I'm kind of annoyed I didn't do it sooner because, you know, um, there's many right. episodes I need to catch up on, old ones that I need to, to cl- uh, clip up eventually. But um, it actually does really drive interest towards your podcast. You know, those little clips, those little... It's, it's, I, I like to think of it like a highlight reel. You know, it's like the right. best moments. And when I'm doing my editing, you know, I used to just clip everything that I thought would, would get views or would be interesting. Now I'm like, no, let's try and clip the things that, A, obviously are topic worthy or, or you know, we'll, we'll get a little bit of attention that you know will get attention. And right. B, the things that were actually the, the best moments, the things that do stand out and were the best actual moments of that particular episode. And, that, but I think that requires a lot of dedication to actually sit back and yes. watch yourself and, and be involved. And that's something you need to do, people, if you want to do a podcast. Like uh, whenever I see people, I've said this a million times before, so broken record. <laughs> you know, if you're setting up a podcast, make sure that you do your research and you're dedicated to it. Uh, because it is something that takes a lot of time and effort. And you know, one of the things I've done more, more recently is to try and space out my podcast. Do like one a week. Because uh, I do a bunch of other stuff, and fair enough. If you're only doing podcasting, you can do more, and I, I get that, you know. But it takes a lot of time that you have to dedicate, and for me, that became a problem because you know I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. So I sort of reasoned, okay, once a week that works for me. I'm prepared to put in the time for that one episode, right. uh, and I'll sometimes do more if I get a bit more demand and or particular guest or whatever. But um, I do think it's better to to kind of space them out and do them like a less is more approach, you know. I think that's what right. Doing. Yeah, like uh, one of the podcasts I used to listen to that reached actual like uh, could hire other people and like run multiple shows with these. Uh, one of the things they said about their very first show is that they had to maintain a consistent schedule and always have one episode out per week or mm-hmm. per two weeks. Like if that's your schedule, they had to have it out regularly but it depends too like if you if you have the content and people are coming for your content yeah mm-hmm. uh i think i think that you're gonna find people will stick with you even if you're you know have to take a hiatus for a while or whatever this is true yeah and i i can't stand this this kind of like um having a schedule uh, because because <laughs> mine changes all the time and you know i go according yeah. to demand do you know what i mean so like ideally i try to i try to get an episode out every week but it's not guaranteed i mean i don't think i've ever missed a week for a long time so i've been lucky in that respect but it has been down to demand you know there might be times 
when I don't get guests, when I don't get so lucky. Right. And, yeah. you know, I've got a, a backup plan for that. I've got, you know, particular topics that I want to cover just in general. But I think that the podcast has always been better when it's been this interview style, this discussion style. And it's more enjoyable for, sure. for me as well. Like, it's very <laughs> different when it's just sitting and talking to the mic. It's, it's just like a long winded YouTube video. And I, I do put the same yeah. amount of effort in. I put the research time in and stuff. But it's just not the same, man. Right, not- right. And like I have, uh, I have kids, right? So my, my time that I'm allowed, able to be alone is very limited. <laughs> so I have to be very, when I can do it. <laughs> so having a rigid schedule doesn't always work. Like, um, I always ask my guests this, and I think it's an interesting question to ask. What are the best and worst things about Regina Saskatchewan? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the best and worst things. The best thing about Regina is that it just, it's a, it's like a, it takes itself seriously in the sense that it feels like a big town, but it isn't, it isn't a big city, Right. It, it it's uh only three hundred and eighty thousand people or something like that. Like it's not a very big city, but so it's easy to get around everywhere. And but it still feels like a city. Hmm. Uh, the worst thing is the streets. So, <laughs> which hopefully they'll improve on. <laughs> what, what specifically uh, the roads? Uh, you mean? Yeah, yeah. The it's. We have a lot of one-way streets and we have a lot of bad potholes. <laughs> yes. Pesky <laughs> so, pothole problem. That's a that's why every country has that problem. And it's like look, <laughs> local government, just spend the money. All right. You your people will thank you. All right? That's right. Yeah. I'm I'm willing yeah. to pay a few a bit a bit more in taxes if you just fix the roads so people don't risk killing themselves. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, for my Saskatchewan politics show. I often listen in to city council meetings for oh. my local school city council. And uh, they have debates sometimes about things that I consider very silly, like how tall you're allowed to let your gra- grass grow before, <laughs> before they will fine you. Key issues. <laughs> Pressure issues facing our nation. Right. How this tall is, can your shrubs be? Yeah, it needs, your grass needs to be well kept so that our city looks beautiful. But <laughs> we're God not forbid, God forbid we, lo- we lose out in the uh, most beautiful city of the year award. Like, uh, very silly. <laughs> Let's go on a more serious note. I love asking this question. What is the biggest life lesson that you've learned so far? don't (laughs) stay humble you you don't know everything (laughs) yeah you absolutely like uh yeah be like because you have to be able to listen to people who know more about a thing right and you like uh, personally i'm just a guy i dropped out of high school i flunked out of university (laughs) i've been a laborer for 20 years um I'm not, I'm not what I would think of as like a, an unintelligent person, mm. but clearly I'm not an expert on anything. 
So, I, will, so I, will add to, I will add to this though, because I think it's important. Like you said, kind of, you said, oh, you know, I dropped out of these places. I've been a laborer 20 years. Like there seems to be this thing that exists in society where laboring is somehow like looked down on. And I'll never understand that because A, oh, yeah. no, you're good, right. good, 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 just like good, honest, solid, hard work never hurt anybody you know that's how i was raised as well like you know i've had all sorts of jobs i've worked physical jobs i've worked in offices you name it yeah I'm never afraid to get my hands dirty and do some hard work right there's you can learn a lot of good life lessons from doing hard physical yep. work that's number one number two people seem to have this impression that you can't earn a lot of money and that is further from the truth <laughs> Here in the uk for instance i have i have um an uncle who does scaffolding Okay. And he was just sitting telling me about, like, this was last year before uh, the lockdowns and everything that happened. So it's my last chance seeing him. And he was just telling me about how much he would earn in a month. And I was sitting there like, how much? I was like, that's insane. And he's like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's normal for scaffolding. And I was like, I was like, I, I would dream of earning that much. I've, I mean, <laughs> like, even in my highest paying office job, I would not even come close to that. But that's the reality. Yeah. Like, um physical skills are highly sought after and what you can do with those skills is almost invaluable and i, I don't know i i mean maybe maybe that that attitude is 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 disappearing a bit more over time now you know but i still feel like it exists a little bit there sometimes and you know for me personally i've got a unique perspective in that i've worked in all kind of fields so i kind of right. see everything as equal i just see it as different routes you know, some people are skilled with their hands some with their minds yeah. Some, you know, whatever, like it's, it's different skills, different human skills. And the guys like, like I say, like the guys that I work with, they're truck drivers. They, they come in and go, uh, the guys that I used to work with, cause we used to have more than one person on at my job. Well. <laughs> so there, I would never describe any of them as not smart people. Right. right. Like they're all, and they all know more about this thing or that thing than you could find like a university professor doesn't know how to fit do pipe fitting right <laughs> so it's, it's different so, it's different types of intelligence i think that's the problem people always assume that like academia and books and stuff is is the only form of intelligence and it's not true like intelligence comes in different forms i think i think the one thing though that that unites us all is common sense uh that one <laughs> is one that misses a lot of people and it doesn't matter if you're you know really really dumb in general or you're a college professor i mean my mum, she works in a university right and uh, <laughs> the amount of times she's told me about a phd student who came and did like i don't know interning or, or like some summer work or something and she said like these people are stupid they don't understand like <laughs> basic stuff and it's like i get that you spend all your time studying physics or whatever that's great but how can you not know how to do some basic office filing or or, or you get confused about using this computer or whatever and it's like right. you know i think basically i guess my point with this is is you know intelligence comes in many different forms and just just try and educate yourself in all areas yeah there's yeah. nothing wrong as much with as learning. yeah be as open-minded as you can in all areas and just learn everywhere because any type of knowledge is i think valuable knowledge in some shape or form my i used i have a friend who uh he went to school for your philosophy and he got his degree and he basically, he says like, if I had stayed long enough to get my PhD, I'm sure that I would lose the ability to turn on a light switch. <laughs> 
I mean, to be fair, yeah, if you spend enough time away from something, you know I mean? so some things stick around, some things are like muscle memory. But yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's the more you do something, the better you get it. It's like if I, uh, guitar, for instance, I've played guitar all my life. Um, mm-hmm. But there's been, when I was at uni, barely played, you know, I just didn't have the time. And then I started getting back into it more in more recent years. And I didn't forget how to do it, but like, you know, my fingers started getting blisters again. I had to build them up again. Um, yeah. Had to just practice just to get better at strumming again. Cause I just was messy. You know, I'm, I'm, the messiness is, is gone now, but it's about practice. You've got to practice anything you do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that includes thinking like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally agree. <laughs> Uh, as we draw things to a close for today, do you have any upcoming projects or maybe some final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? <laughs> Long pause. <laughs> uh, no, I big projects, nothing in particular. Like I'm just, I'm just trying to get my shows out every time, every two weeks. Uh, cause I record with other people for some of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm just trying to keep those going. And as for final thoughts, I just think that like, obviously I'm biased, <laughs> but I think that a lot of the, a lot of people have misconceptions when it comes to like left-wing politics. Right. And uh, I, I think that if one actually tries to learn the philosophies a little bit, you like, you don't have to like read the wiki page, <laughs> you know, just try to, and, 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 don't don't uh maybe you could stop having a caricature of the person you disagree with in your head right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah totally agree yeah i mean at the end of the day we're all human and uh we're going to disagree on stuff you know i've yeah. had conversations with people that i've disagreed with on certain issues but we had a healthy conversation we didn't attack each other i think the problem is people make things too personal and don't get me wrong some issues are deeply personal and they right. should be for a reason yeah. but other things it's like hey it's okay if we disagree on this like it doesn't we can still be friends we can still <laughs> do you know what i mean i, I think that's a good point and a lesson for us all for sure and social social media doesn't help but <laughs> <laughs> no that's especially places like twitter is just like a war zone i avoid it yeah like, just... yeah i try to stay off twitter as much as i can <laughs> Okay, Corey, I just want to say a massive thank you for agreeing to be on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking with you. And um, to, yeah, to all my listeners, thank you very much for watching the Christian Reed podcast on YouTube. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all those audio platforms, or wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure to leave us a review. Check us out. Give us a follow. Let me know who you would like to see on the show next what you would like to hear on the show next. Be safe, be well, and I'll see you in the next one.